We head to the land of milk and honey. We have a name for the new Gastonia team and much more on this episode of the Indie Ball Report podcast. We are back again on this show, and we talk about independent league baseball. I'm Nick. He's Will. And, uh, yeah, we got exciting news to talk about. Finally, we've hit, like, off-season periods where we're not in a dry spell of news. And it's great that they line up when we don't have interviews scheduled. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty good news, ain't it? Uh, yeah, it's very, it's very good news. And I will say, man, am I, am I thankful as an, as an Atlantic League guy, as a, obviously you all know that I run an Atlantic League Instagram page. I mean, it is so great that for once and probably, oh, I, I don't even know, probably about since like the player signings kept coming. I, I guess like since those ended by, by like, I don't know, April or whatever. Pro- there I, hasn't been any good news. I'd say There's probably been- like Brandon Liebrand was like the last like thing of note. Yeah, I'd have, I'd have to go back and check, but I mean, it, it has been a long time since there's been some good, happy news for for the Atlantic League. And although, I mean, it's not like we knew this. Uh, I mean, the Gastonia team got finally has a name. It's not no longer Gastonia Professional Baseball, which is obviously a great thing. We knew this was coming, but Thank goodness we actually had some good news and positive news to talk about. And you know what, Nick? I'm hoping, I'm just hoping that there's going to be more good news on the way. Yeah, hopefully. Maybe we'll get, like, team names, maybe jersey announcements. Supposedly we may get a manager announcement soon. But Apparently, uh, yeah. But I suppose we should probably mention the actual name of the club that will that'd be joining be a good the idea. yeah they'll be joining the Atlantic League in 2021 and that is the Gastonia Honey Hunters yes the Honey Hunters I believe that's one of the names that I had liked I was like I think you could just probably do something cool with it the rest of them were pretty like mm. and then I think we both said uh, screw it just go Hogzillas because why not. But I yeah. gotta say, I'm a really big fan of the logo, and the branding came out really well. I gotta be honest, I really like it. Here's what I'll say: I think that out of the names, Honey Hunters, I wasn't a huge fan of originally, just because I, I guess I kind of misunderstood like what the logo was going to be. Because I think the initial like mock logo that they had when you would read could read about the names on the website. Like the mock logo was like a B, and I'm like, yeah. no, we we've already had enough Bs. Like, I I don't think we want to go back to the days of any B type in the Atlantic League. To be honest, like, so, sorry, New Britain Bs fans. I mean, it's it's just the truth. Uh, but and and so the Honey Hunters were was not on the top of my list. Although when when I found out what the name was going to be. And I saw that they, they took a different spin on it. And instead of going with like the B mock logo they, they had earlier when they announced the finalists all the way back in October, that they went with like a honey badger logo with like a, with like a flaming honey badger logo. I mean, gonna be honest with you, it looks, it looks awesome. It looks a lot better than I expected. And I, I'm really excited for it because I, I, I like the backstory behind it. 
Uh, I mean, honey badgers, the world's most fearless animal. I mean, now that they took away from the bee, which is so overused and overdone, and then you bring in the honey badger, and man, it, and I really like the black and gold colors. They can fact, if you can have home uniforms that are uh, that that are like black and gold. I mean, that would be. I, I think that would look pretty awesome. So, gonna be honest with you, I the honey hunters was not on the top of my list originally. However, I think that now that I seen the logo and how it's came out, I, I I'm really excited about it. I really do like it. Yeah, I I like the way it turned out. Like you said with the honey badger, it's a very different take on it. Plus, like I was looking through all the other various ones, the word marks on it, where you have like the honey dripping off of Gastonia or the G in Gastonia, uh, the just the badger head too. I think it was a very cool way of going about it. And then when you watch the press conference, you uh, you got to see the reasoning behind it. Uh, it the name pays homage to Hunter Ramson, who is the first freed slave in Gaston County and the first American or African American landowner. Uh, also in the county there. And so it was kind of symbolized like, the search for honey, you know, something sweeter, like I guess a play on uh, land of milk and honey type thing. And so it definitely has a lot of weight to it. And then the badger itself is supposed to represent more of like the fighting spirit that's in that particular animal because it's not, yeah, you know, obviously the honey badger is not indigenous to the United States. It's mainly an African animal. And it's known as that fearless, toughest animal where it'll just go around and kill like these very venomous snakes just for fun. Just because it got bored, it just decides it's going to kill a snake just because. And it's a very tough animal. It's the kind of one that you don't want to mess with. It's a gritty animal and something like that. And it's supposed to represent the the kind of culture of the city and of the community where it's this kind of little brother type city to obviously the bigger charlotte and they fight and they claw and they worked in these very tough industries namely textiles for so long and now they've made um a go of it themselves and and that whole meaning behind the name too really adds a lot of weight to it uh going back to the color scheme i do like it a lot too I think that sometimes black and gold can be a little overdone. We see uh, just about one per league at this point has a, that kind of color scheme to it or something similar. However, I think adding the orange and then kind of the gunmetal gray look to the word mark on some of it also gives it just enough of a twinge where it looks a little different. I'm very intrigued to see what the jerseys look like and, and what the rest of the merchandise looks like too. I think that can be something of, uh, very, very much interest. I know, or at least I think I know that the sleeve logo is going to be the logo that we see as kind of the main one that has the full badger. So I imagine we'll either see like Gastonia across the front of the aways and then, uh, honey badger or not honey badgers, honey hunters across on the, uh, home ones. But either way, you have a whole slew of very creative uniform options, which I'm going to be curious to see, certainly. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I was I was really happy with how it came out, um, and and I am really excited to see how how the uniforms come out. I, I guess now that I think of it, maybe black and gold's a little bit overdone, but that's not to say that I, I don't like the color scheme. I I, I I'm a big fan of it, and, and I think that it, that it, it really turned out well. Especially, I mean, because I I know I know a lot of fans wanted fire ants. 
Mm. And I, 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 and I understand why the fire ants was, was one of my favorites as well. But I think, listen, I, I think the honey hunters logo and branding kind of surpassed my expectations. And the one thing I am really excited to see is I'm really excited to see the mascot. I, you'd have to think mm. it's like a, the mascot will be a honey badger. I don't know what that'll look like. I think it'll be really funny. So personally, I, I, I think, um, I think a honey badger. I'm really excited to see the honey badger mascot. That, that's just me, though. Hype the Rocking Hearts fights the Wisconsin Badger, essentially. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. A mascot fight. Yeah, I so, mean, we so- already know that's building up to it. I mean, watching that press conference, both Martin and Bellamy were pounding home the fact that we want to have a rivalry with uh, High Point so very yeah. much. It, it was almost like, I, I mean, they really went after the trying to start a rivalry so much so that I was almost kind of like, all right, all right, we, we kind of, we, we understand. I, I got, and trust me, I've been clamoring for this, for this to be a rivalry like since the beginning. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited. It, it appears to be trending in that direction. But, you know, I think until there's actual games played on the field and, you know, not to say something like a brawl happens because, I mean, you, you never want to see that happen. But until they, they play some like play some games or maybe like you have neighboring fans going to each other's uh, each other's ballparks. I, you know, it's hard for me to call it a rivalry until something happens in that aspect. But it is good to see that, um, at least for at least from Gastonia's perspective, they are uh, they're they're all over the rivalry portion. And and I hope that I hope that translates to the field. I hope that translates to the fan base. Obviously, you know, I mean, I don't really know a whole lot about the the fan base in Gastonia quite yet. I'm sure I, I'm sure I will as the player signings start to trickle in and and stuff like that. But I, I think I, I, I'm excited because I mean, High Point was real. High Point in their one year uh, in 2019, it's pretty lonely down there in North Carolina. I think adding another team down there um, really it, it really adds a lot to the league. It, it helps with travel a lot as well. I'm excited to see how it works out. Yeah, I think you really were on something with the rivalry point where it's the kind of thing that really can only develop after, you know, maybe you've lost a series to another team or you've played a team really close. You don't necessarily need, you know, some sort of like a brawl or something like that to form a rivalry, but a hard-fought close game that was a tough game, that certainly will do it. I mean, even just getting a couple of brushback pitches... That could do it. Like, there's any little bound of things here. A hard slide in the second. Anything, you know, if you want to go with something direct like that could cause it. Or, like I said, just a tough playoff series certainly could. But, yeah, having another team down in North Carolina certainly does help. Not just for the travel aspect of it, but also because, again, they were the only ones out there. There really wasn't a shot for High Point to create a rivalry with really anyone. I mean, when you have two teams in Pennsylvania, two in New York, New Jersey, and then another one in Texas and another one in Maryland, it's really difficult to form rivalry there. And I think Sugarland had the same kind of issue. Now, obviously, much different market and a whole another set of circumstances with them. But even still, I don't think you could ever say that Sugarland really had a devout rival in the league like a York could say or a Somerset could say at any point in time. I definitely agree with that. Um, I, I think that Sugarland never really had a rival, but to me, 
I, I think Sugarland, they always had a ton of talent and they always had a lot of big names and a lot of former major leaguers. So from my perspective, it was kind of like, well, I'm not, I don't know if they really need a rival just because, I mean, they're, they were so talented year in and year out that it, that I always enjoyed watching them play no matter what. And it was also, it was also kind of nice whenever they were at home and uh, I'd come home from a Somerset game and I could flip on the Sugarland game that's still in the sixth inning. I think that even though they didn't have a rivalry with anyone just because they were so far out, just because of how talented they were year in and year out, I think that it kind of made up for that a little bit in my in my view. Yeah, no, it certainly it certainly did. I mean, it's not like you're by not having a rivalry that's dedicated. It means like, oh, no, the games aren't going to be, you know, competitive or aren't going to have the same punch to it. They certainly are. And if you're a good team, you know, it's going to make good games. And obviously, Sugarland had a lot of success while they were independent, and that got them to being affiliated on a AAA level. So, you know, obviously, it worked out for them. That said, though, I do want to kind of steer back to other things we've found during that press conference there, which is uh, we know there is a, a hunt for a manager on, and that that's going to be announced very, very soon. But more importantly, the thing that we found out, at least from Dave Martin, is we're looking at a May start date, which is a huge, huge bit of information here. Uh, seeing as we didn't expect the league to start on time, I don't think anyone really did at this point without a schedule or anything of that sort. Uh, but to know that we're looking at like an early to mid-May start still means they're going to have a couple week jump on the Frontier League, on the American Association. And then obviously, it means that they do have some, at least, outline of a plan in place here. Now, when we get that schedule, I, I think it's still a lot to be determined here. I think it depends a lot on the conversations they're having with other teams, and I'm sure we'll discuss uh, possible markets they could add in. I know we touched on it last week when we talked Tri-City and... Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of other details around that. We'll talk in a little bit when we get to our Burlington and Clinton uh, conversation. But uh, at least as of right now, uh, between knowing we're going to have a manager very very soon, as he put it, and a May start date, uh, what are what's the thinking behind that as of right now? As far as the, I, I guess I was pleased to hear that they're still planning on starting and. Early to May, early to mid May, you'd probably think you're looking at like the second week of May mm. to start the season. I mean, that's kind of how I took it. But I, I think that although it does have a couple week jump on, on the uh, on the Frontier League and American Association, I, I, I guess that's not too surprising if you can pull. I, th- I think that's a good thing if you can pull it off, just because you have a lot of guys that are still that are still going to go to winter ball. You can't go too much longer. And after a season in which teams lost revenue, it's going to be hard to, to play like a like a 90-game season or whatever, at least for Atlantic League teams with the higher salary cap and they have, they have more expenses. So I, I think that they're really trying to – I don't know if they'll get to 126. Maybe they get to 110 as far as games mm. played. But, I mean, I was definitely happy with it. I, I was – I'll definitely take an earlier start date. I'm kind of interested to see – how this kind of correlates with the end of MLB spring training from the minor, at least the minor league spring training that'll probably end right around the end of April. So that doesn't give you a whole lot of time to look into guys and sign guys and bring them in. Although I I guess 
guys who are coming out of spring training are already kind of, uh, they're a little bit more warmed up, I guess, than they would have been. It's interesting to see, it'll be interesting to see how this, co- how this correlates with the end of minor league spring training, which we'll, I guess, we'll have to see what the official date is. But I think to me, this shows that the Atlantic League knows they, they have to, they have to play a substantial, not to say like a 90 game season is, isn't substantial because it is. Yeah. It's but, just, you, they need to make up for revenue they didn't get last year. Right. On top I, I, of that. I think I think 110 games, 115 games is really what they're shooting for and really what they're pushing for. And they're just kind of hoping that at, at that point in, in like the second week of May, we're at a point in this country where the vaccines are readily available and you can have at least most of your, most of your stadium full. I guess at worst half your stadium full because I think anything under that, you kind of, you kind of get into the danger zone. That's the risk you take. But I think that the reward is there by playing a longer schedule, which it, it definitely looks like the Atlantic League knows they want to do and probably needs to as well. Yeah, they need to make up for lost revenue from not playing at all last year. And then obviously you're still going to have a full slate of expenses. I mean, it's not like the expenses change all that much when you drop from playing 140 games to playing, you know, 30 fewer. So they need to play as many as possible to try and recoup that. Plus, Again, in the past, I don't think it's really been that big of a deal that you had other independent league teams in similar markets. It was just kind of a thing, and, you know, each catered to their own. But now I wonder if that's going to affect things a bit more, seeing as everyone's competing for the same amount of people, and there's probably fewer people that are, I'm not going to say willing to go out, but would be more ready to go back out into a giant social setting like a baseball game is. Obviously, we saw with pop-up series, there's still a lot of people that are interested in going out and seeing baseball games, but I think it's a bit different uh, now when you have, you know, kind of, I don't want to say regular operations because anything operating in a pandemic's not regular at all, but certainly less different... Uh, uh, situation set up here. So I do wonder if that kind of competition for the same amount of, or a smaller amount of the same group of people affect the bottom line even more, so to speak. Yeah, I think, I think it could. Um, and, and unfortunately there, as we've learned during this whole pandemic, there's so much, there's so much uncertainty and you don't know what the, the, the following months or even weeks will bring. So I think that, I think that's going to be the interesting thing to watch. And I think, I, I think it's really important that for, for these independent league teams that you, you hopefully have a fever of people that are looking to get out to sporting events because they haven't been to any since, since back in March, I guess here and there you have a little, some minor league baseball mixed in there. If, if you went to those like circuit leagues like I did, I know I was probably one of the lucky ones. I know some, a lot, so many people in this country didn't get to see any sports live. But I think that you're kind of hoping that people are just chomping at the bit to go, to go do stuff and go and go to sporting events again, especially here in the Northeast where that really hasn't been an option. So I, I think, or I guess in the Carolinas, it hasn't really been so much of an option either. So it, it's, you really hope you really hope for the team's sake that people are really excited to get to go to get to go out to baseball games in a social setting 
like you mentioned, like a baseball game. You just hope that the vaccine is effective enough and it gives people enough confidence to go uh, to go out into those social settings again. Hopefully, hopefully, and then to hopefully. back, yep, to backtrack to the uh, manager bit. There, we know uh, Brett Jody's a name that's been brought up a lot. Kevin Bias was kind of a guy that we deduced had interviewed from it. Uh, at least from our interview, we could kind of put the pieces together on that one. Do we think there's any other real strong contenders in this uh, in this race? I guess for this job, or do we think it's going to be one of those two? I think that when you're looking at a when if Brett Jody is interested in the job, it's going to be hard to turn him down. Uh, I mean, unless unless Pete and Cavill, because that that's what we we keep hearing stuff about Brett Jody, but I haven't heard anything about Pete and Cavillia. I have no idea what he's uh, what his plans are now that he's no longer the manager of the Sugarland Skeeters. But I, I, I think, and I think Pete and Cavillia is a great manager. He's obviously great at assembling rosters. So I mean, I, I really haven't heard much about him at all. But I mean, if he, assuming that he's not in the picture for Gastonia, it's hard to turn down Brett Jody if he wants it, just because he's had so much success in the Atlantic League. I mean, he's from he's from South Carolina too. It's right near his home. I mean, it make, it makes a lot of sense, and obviously there's a lot of talented guys that I guess that are no longer playing for Somerset now that he could, that he could bring with him. I guess we'll have to see about that. But barring any like mystery candidate we don't really know about, it seems I would I would be surprised if it wasn't Brett Jody. And if it, and I would be stunned that if, if Brett Jody wants the job and is actively interviewing for the job, that it's not him. I, I, I would, I, I'd be pretty surprised if Brett Jody does not become the manager of Gastonia. I just think there's a lot, I think it just makes too much sense in my view. Would a guy like George Samus possibly even be involved in this, the former St. Paul manager? Cause he was there for near two decades in uh, St. Paul. And obviously that's not going to be the case anymore. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that I think that's a I think that's a possibility if if he's interested in the job. I think that's the kind of the the whole the whole mystery aspect because you don't. I mean, you could you could speculate on who would be good fits and who wouldn't be good fits. However, you don't really know who's interested uh, in the job. But I think e- even if both of them were interested, I still think Jody would get the nod just because of because he's familiar with the Atlantic League. He's had success in the Atlantic League. Uh, I think it would make a lot. Of, I think it would make a lot of sense from from that aspect. Mm, yeah, I, I guess there, and I, they do value the uh, the Atlantic Lake experience too. So uh, that's something of interest. A uh, couple other things that uh, I do want to mention about the Gastonia bit before we move along. Uh, it also came up that there's a hundred million dollar development commitment too from the ownership group for the Greater Gastonia area in that whole uh, press conference there. And uh, I thought that was very intriguing that you they're really planning on developing this area and putting a lot of money in to get that downtown area uh, really to be a hub center again like it once was. So that was something of interest. And then uh, a couple other points here I wanted to just mention. It seems like Dave Martin and Brandon Bellamy are just always excited and they have such energy about them where... 
like they you, they clearly know what they're doing. Obviously, you have a guy that has uh, many many years of experience in baseball, and then another guy that was very successful in uh, land development and in business as a whole. So, f- for the aspects they're handling, you have some of the best available talent handling them. They just seem so happy and excited and almost like giddy, where they're like, "Oh wow, we we're." this high up in a new baseball team and they just seem so excited and i i just wanted to point out that because i just i love seeing that kind of energy about it you don't normally see that from you know especially higher ups but i mean it just is a nice refreshing bit to see people that are just happy at the fact that a they own a baseball team or b they're pretty high up on the on the chain of command on a brand new baseball team and a new venture i i definitely got that vibe as well nick i, I think you use the word refreshing, and and I I, I honestly can't think of a better word because you it, you see in the world of minor league baseball and independent league baseball. I mean, we talked about it at length in our interview with Robert Pimsner and, and and talking about the Staten Island ownership group. At the end of the day, if you are not passionate about working in minor league baseball and you're not excited and you're just using it as a hopeful investment you can make a quick buck off of, it's not going to work. It's not going to work, especially in the case of when you're trying to establish yourself in a brand new market that has no idea who you are. So I think that you re- they, they're very, very, uh, they have so much energy. And I, I think that that's definitely, that's definitely a great thing when you're looking at trying to establish yourself in a brand in a brand new market and when in the world of indie ball where attendance really drives the bus it it drives your your main revenue driver and and i think that you really need to have that energy if this is going to work and it looks and luckily for the league and luckily for the fans and really for everyone it it looks like they definitely have that yep absolutely there and then we'll just kind of end off this little bit here by saying uh thanks again to everyone at the gastonia bit for sending both of us uh the hat package that was really cool i know i made the uh unboxing video and posted that up there along with some pics of what's in the box uh i'm not sure um have you posted anything about that yet or no? I've not gotten around to it yet. It is should be on the uh, it is on the way. I haven't got to it yet. I think it just slipped my mind, but I'll get to it. Yeah, so I mean, you could swing over to ALPB News to see uh, on Instagram to see Will's unboxing thing or at least to see what was in his. I imagine it's pretty similar to what was in mine, which was a very nice yeah. note, the little insert and the uh and the hat, which is a very nice hat too, by the way. It's great hat. Yep. So again, I just wanted to thank you guys for sending everything over there. I know uh, at least a couple of the Gastonia folk uh, listen to the show, so I wanted to just make sure uh, to thank them uh, publicly as well as uh, privately too. So, uh, yeah. with that said, we'll move on to the next thing here. This is going to be a fairly quick one. Uh, just a quick little bit on, on the Valley Cats. A little news there. Uh, saw things saying that the manager announcement's coming next week, or could come as soon as next week, rather. They're down to eight candidates, uh, two interviews still left, although I think both of them have been done by this point. So I wouldn't be surprised to see next week we get an announcement on that manager bit. And then I also just wanted to point out, and I wish we would have done the this next week because then I could have had the whole show to promote this, but it didn't work out that way. And I'm just happy that the opportunity came about. Uh, we got asked to go on to... Uh, ESPN 104.5 Albany. I think it's the team is the technical, like, kind of 
grab on it. Uh, they only could take one of us, so I was the one that wound up going on there and doing the radio hit. Uh, if you heard it, great. If not, I'm trying to get a hold of a recording of that uh, segment myself. And if I get it, then I'll post it. If I don't get it, well, then you'll just have to stay tuned for next time. That's why you should be on the social media, both Instagram at Indie Ball Report and on Twitter at Indie Ball Pod, because then you would have seen me spamming this. But I do appreciate them reaching out and and giving me uh, about 10 minutes to talk about the Valley Cats and the Frontier League as a whole. Uh, certainly unexpected, and hopefully it wasn't too bad. Uh, hopefully uh, people enjoyed that and we get invited back on as the season nears. Yeah, I mean, it was. It, <clears throat> I can confirm that uh, I, I definitely enjoyed the interview, and I thought Nick, you did you did a, you did a great job. So uh, it was really exciting because I, it's hard to kind of tell what the attitude of a fan base is. Obviously, it's a small sample. We're talking like one or two guys who were who were, who were doing the interviewing and who are on the radio show. Uh, but it, it it did seem to me that they were pretty excited about this new Frontier League venture. Listen, I, and I know it's I know it sucks to lose the, an affiliated team. I get it, uh, but it does seem like they're pretty excited for the new venture into the Frontier League. So that that was really good to see from from my vantage point. Absolutely, and I know it's it's kind of hard for me to gauge this here because you know being directly outside the New York City market. I mean, like, legitimately, it's not far away at all. I live kind of, sort of, near the radio towers out in the swamps. But, so I get all the major radio talk. So I only hear Major League Sport talk on, uh, like, my ESPN affiliate. But to still have a minor league sports team eating up airtime is, like, clearly an indicator of how important that team is to the greater Albany, Troy, Tri-City region. So, and obviously, if they're willing to have us on to spend 10 minutes in the middle of the day to talk uh, Frontier League and Valley Cat baseball, clearly there's at least some market for that. And it'll be very interesting to see what winds up coming of that as far as how they do in the Frontier League. And I'll say the same thing I said there. I think they could very well be successful. I think they could probably draw 3,000 a game. I don't think that's terribly outrageous as long as the fans continue to show up and they hire a manager that, you know, knows how to reach out to a community, knows how to bring in talent, which... I mean, there's going to be enough guys all jamming for that position. Obviously, we mentioned guys that could go for an Atlantic League gig, but perhaps if you don't get that, you're willing to go to the Frontier League and coach younger players, and you're probably going to have to take a bit of a pay cut, but certainly still, it's better than not managing for a year. And, uh, yeah, that's obviously also a lot of guys in the Frontier League. But as we talked about last week with uh, Gateway, you could see guys get hired, like with Steve Brook, in Ottawa there he was in Gateway for technically a year although he never really coached because he didn't get the opportunity and he got plucked and went to Ottawa same thing's probably going to happen again this year with their latest hire too you could see that happen here too there's plenty of uh, I guess assistant type coaches that could uh, fill that role so uh, it'll be very interesting to see there I think there's I think we're going to be happy with the hire personally I don't know who it is yet I know a handful of guys that interviewed for it and uh, they're they're solid choices, certainly. So, uh, yeah, agreed. I, I think that hope hopefully hopefully by by the next show we we get to talk about it. I know that'd be nice. We have another marquee thing to talk about, then go to interviews and whatnot. And 
and exactly. probably ride that into actual, you know, like on the field play and stuff. That'd be fun, wouldn't that be? That 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 would be fun. So with hopefully that, materializes. Yep, hopefully. So with that, we kind of go to the last uh, topic of the day. It is a bit of a shorter show, but well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you have something to do, and then I have something to do in a little bit too. So, so being that we both have something to do, it just makes sense to make this a little bit shorter. Plus, yeah, not 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 that there's a ton of news to get to anyway. Exactly. I mean, you know exactly it's so one no, of those weeks yeah it's no point in stretching everything out we got enough good discussion going and there's enough other content out there for you to uh to listen to and enjoy if you want that uh but we do get to the last thing that should be a a fairly uh, engaging discussion we have burlington and clinton making their decision both of them the burlington bees and the clinton lumberjacks will head to the prospect league their college wooden bat league and it spans seven states it removes the player expenses from the teams, and uh, yeah, both teams are going to that prospect league. That may spell issues for expansion for some of these other teams who are our leagues we were talking about, mainly the Frontier League and the American Association. I don't really think the Atlantic League was ever targeting them. However, it does make what Lexington does a bit more intriguing. It does make... Uh, maybe a place like West Virginia that could have possibly been in the Frontier League footprint or Vermont or, or any of these places, Kane sit or Kane County. All those become a lot more interesting to watch now, seeing as these two drop off and go to Prospect League ball. Yeah, it, it's you, you it's definitely has not been it, it's this is definitely not the last example of teams that have been that have no longer have minor league affiliations. Uh, be, become summer collegiate. I mean, it, it makes the most, I guess, the most financial sense you could say in some aspects because they no longer have to pay their players. Uh, however, I, I do think it it'll probably have a negative impact on attendance. I mean, at least I, I don't know a whole lot about the prospect league and all, but it doesn't. I mean, there's I definitely know of the the, the top elite summer collegiate leagues. I'll just say this doesn't look like it's one of them. So it's an interesting choice from that aspect. I'm not sure if they had Frontier League interest or American Association interest. I mean, we could speculate here and there, but I guess we didn't know if there was any offers or discussions on the table there. But I think that, you know, it, it like you said, it really makes an interesting decision coming up for for a market like Lexington that draws four thousand fans a night, it, I mean Lexington's a great market, and it's going to be interesting to see. Does the Frontier League want to expand past sixteen teams? Does the American Association what want to add another team, add a couple more teams after losing the Texas Air Hogs and St. Paul Saints? Uh, I mean, obviously the Atlantic League needs to add uh, one or two teams to to really function well next year. So I, I think that because I mean obviously a sixteen a, a six team league that ex, that expands over the territory that the Atlantic League does is not really a recipe for long term success. So uh, I mean Clinton and so obviously Clinton and Burlington are are both off the board. I mean I didn't think either of those were like awesome home run options, kind of like the way I thought Tri City was. However, I mean. It doesn't seem like a great decision. I mean, it's tough. It's going to definitely tough for those fans. I-, I will say that just to go from single A ball all the way down to a like a low end 
summer collegiate league, it's kind of tough for those fans for sure. But I, I, it really does make the, the decisions of Lexington and West Virginia and, and those markets very, very intriguing co- coming up in recent weeks. Absolutely. And especially because now I do wonder, because you brought it up last week and I said, no, nah, I don't really think there's any sort of a cap in the Frontier League. I do wonder if there is a cap now. I'm not sure what changed in my thinking here, but if you can't get Lexington, because I imagine, and because we were talking about this off air, how would Lexington fit the Atlantic League footprint? Because we talked about that possibly in the American Association, but the Atlantic League's been known to kind of go off the board, and Lexington's certainly a market that's of interest. And if you couldn't get Tri-City, you need to expand to get something else, like one of those other kind of A-tier markets, I would say, and that certainly is one. I wonder if they make a play for Vermont, even. Like, obviously, it's not an ideal location on a college campus for the Atlantic League in the past traditionally speaking they've tried to avoid that but they need something else here obviously and we talked about how Lowell is kind of a, a must get without being a must get in title uh, for them and you're really running out of spots here because I feel like maybe if you're West Virginia you're more inclined to take a look at a prospect league or another summer collegiate league yourself. I can't imagine the profit margins in West Virginia are all that great. You would think so. And I mean, as far as looking at West Virginia, their attendance wasn't great in, in single A ball. So I don't know. It, it, it's, that's a market I was kind of thinking for, for, for a summer collegiate market. So, but I guess we'll have to see. I mean, we haven't really heard a whole lot about Lowell uh, up until this point, but I think that, I mean, Lexington to, to the Atlantic League is an interesting fit. Does it, do they go off the grid? Yes. And, and But, it, you know, it's a really good market. I mean, the attendance is there. The passion is there. Uh, I, I'm, I'm surprised the Frontier League didn't try to go for it, but, I mean, or and maybe they still will, but I think 16 teams is just is such a perfect number. It's such a perfect number for the Frontier League. I don't know if they want to expand off of that, but I think that, I mean, because at least I was doing a little bit of research into how, like, the distance between different teams. I mean, to be honest with you, from Long Island to Lexington, that's probably got to be a flight. I mean, that's that's a that's a twelve hour bus ride. I mean, there's no market that's within six hours of Lexington. No current market, I should say, but. At the same time, even though the travel might be a little inconvenient, the market is really good. So I, I think that's kind of the the sacrifice you might have to make if you're if you're the Atlantic League. So I think that'll be interesting to see how, how they approach that, and if the Frontier League is looking to expand even more. And, and now that they're at 16 teams, I, I don't. I mean, it's possible, but I don't. I don't see it being as certain that they're looking to grab Lexington as say about a month ago. Yeah, I just still, I think it's just such a missed opportunity having Florence right there to not be able to have that. I mean, it's a natural rivalry. They already were working. Everything we've said over the past few months leading up to this, I just, I really think adding them would do a lot of good, especially if you want Vermont. I feel like, obviously, if they add one, they have to add two. That much is kind of a given at this point, uh, because you don't want to run a, a road warrior team out there. But that said... It's still, I just, I think Lexington to the Frontier League still makes sense, but I, 
I'm definitely starting to understand a lot more where where you're coming from on 16 being a good number and I just the growth of a league during a pandemic is an interesting thing and that's part of why I'm a little apprehensive to say the Atlantic League just because like you said it's a 12 hour bus ride you probably would prefer that to be a flight but a flight adds on expenses because it's not just like you're flying one way you're flying both ways you're probably flying from Long Island into uh, Lexington and then wherever you'd play from there you probably have to fly to there as well so it's going to add on a lot of expenses on top of that and if you're coming out of a pandemic where you weren't able to play is another plane trip something you really want to add on to your expense sheet yeah I guess not I mean I mean, when you're thinking of I'm not sure off the top of my head how far a trip from Long Island to uh, like Gastonia would be because Gastonia is further south than High Point, but I, I can't imagine I can't imagine that would be a flight. But I, I think that I think the Atlantic League, if they were to add in Lexington, at least from Long Island's perspective, they would do everything they can to not have to at least have some stops in between. Like if they go to if they go to Lexington twice on the way they hit Lan- they hit Lancaster on the way up and they hit York on the way back. I mean, I, I, I guess you could you could make it work in that sense where you're kind of having a pit stop on the way so you're not having those 12-hour bus rides and it's just cut into two 6-hour rides or um so so I think that like a, they could they could definitely work with that to keep it at a bus ride in my view. Just so, just so let, there's never a time where you know you do a complete bus trip from Lexington to Long Island. True. So I think there's ways to make it work like that. I suppose, yeah, it'll be an interesting thing to watch play out. Either way, it's going to need to play out fairly soon, I'd imagine. I mean, yeah. if you're playing that mid-May start, you kind of need to know sooner than later now. So yeah, uh, just a, a lot, a lot of interesting questions. I wish we could ask somebody when when all this is said and done. Certainly, I mean, I'd love to get somebody on there. Honestly, I, I, I know who you're referring to, and obviously I think a lot of people kind of do, but the guy I actually do want to talk to like right now about this is Andy Shea. He's like pretty sure the president or CEO of the team. I'd love to be able to talk to him and be like, so... Uh, of Lexington? Yeah, of Lexington. Oh, that would, yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd love to get him on talk. If, yeah, that, 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 that would be a really interesting conversation to have. Uh, that's sure. another name for the email list. And, well, when we're done here, I know who I'm emailing. Yeah, that that would be that would be a great interview. See, I don't know, I don't know how likely it would be, just because there's, I mean, there's you know, some, like yeah. the whole unwritten thing of like, oh, like there's active negotiations. We don't want to comment on anything that's not. Yeah, like you don't want to risk any legal anything by mentioning one thing or another. I I get why you don't say anything. At the same time, though, you still it'd, ask anyway. It'd be awesome. Yeah. It'd be awesome. Like, that's the thing. Whenever you ask a question, even if you already know the answer to it, you still ask anyway, because at worst, you got the answer you expected. At best, you got the answer you hoped for. That That's a good that's a good way to think about it, Nick. Yeah. So, I guess with that, we really don't have uh, anything else left to mention, except for that the Atlantic League renewed their uh, exclusivity on the hat partnership with, with, what is it, Outdoor Caps or OC Caps, so... That's cool. Now that is now that is the hard hitting news we are looking for from the Atlantic League. Exactly. I see that. So you wanted good news. They gave you a name and a hat deal. I'm not sure and, what much more they can do for you, bud. 
I, I don't know. Let's just stop complaining. You got more hats. Exactly. Just, you know, you get, plus you got a hat for free this week. Exactly. Yeah, I can't, I love hats. Can't, can't complain. Exactly. I got like several new hats here. I got like four or five now just sitting here. I had to pay for most of them, but one of them was free. <laughs> so that's nice. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, so with that, uh, we'll go to the plugs and then get out of here. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at IndieBallPod. If you want to follow the show on Instagram, at IndieBallReport. If you want to follow Will and everything in the Atlantic League, follow ALPB underscore news on Instagram there. Uh, if you want to check out all of our work that we've done, past podcasts, show notes, articles, which again, last week I said I was going to write something soon. I actually probably will soon. Hopefully, probably, maybe. Um Want to check out articles and videos and whatnot, though? Uh, go to the website; they're all there. Actually, I forgot to put the—that's what I forgot to do the other day when I uploaded the unboxing video on YouTube and Instagram. I forgot to upload it to the website. I got to well, do that go. today too. <laughs> Man, I'm really slacking lately. Uh, <laughs> you know, being a big time radio star than I am now, I can't be seen doing this. Work. Oh, I know. You know, it's really a step down. Uh, it really is. I mean, I, I'm glad you understand where I'm coming from. Uh, but, but, uh, you can check out all that, uh, on the website there and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get podcasts, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podomatic, Deezer, Amazon Music, wherever you find podcasts, really. Uh, so with that said, uh, do you have anything else left to add? Uh, my quick thing to add today. I just want to congr- uh, I, the Devils played their first game last night against the Bruins. Were able to get a point. I mean, they never went in shootout, so I didn't expect anything different. So I was pretty happy with their performance. Mackenzie Blackwood's amazing, and congratulations to Ty to Devils 2018 first round pick Ty Smith on his first NHL goal in his NHL debut. Jack Johnson is not a very good defenseman. I'd like to never see him suit up and take uh, the ice again as a New York Ranger. That's all I will say. <laughs> and uh, we'll leave it at that. Moving forward here, I did have something long, drawn out, and elaborate this week. However, I'm going to shelf that for now and just simply leave it at next week. I'm talking about Pirates of the Caribbean. That's all I'm going <laughs> to say. Because those are okay. fun adventure romps. And I found the supposed script of the fifth movie, not the one they wound up going with, but the a different version, which is oh, much, much movie. better. And I'd love to break that down and do an in-depth analysis about this because I look, I, I look forward to that. Yep, I am a huge fan of pirates. So you can look forward to that. And then in the subsequent weeks, I have a plan for a major junior football league and a Wonka rant still to get to. So you have a lot yeah. to look forward to. For the ends of the show and that's why you should always stay tuned to the very end that's right alright so with that said nothing else left to add you know the drill we end every show the same way around here which is don't forget to play ball